Good morning, noon, or night, whenever and wherever you are listening, you are listening to The Shift. I'm your host. My name is Doug McKenty. This episode was recorded on January 26, 2021. On this 67th episode of The Shift, I'm happy to introduce Jason Bosch onto the program. Jason is the host and producer of the If We Were Honest video podcast, which focuses on issues such as the Great Reset, globalist control mechanisms, and macroeconomic monetary policy. As some of you may know, there has been a dispute brewing within circles of the independent media community concerning the potential benefits and possible threats that may arise as a result of the use of blockchain technology. On the one hand, many notice the planned use of blockchain tech by corporatists who seek to centralize control within the government corporate complex by using such tools as a central bank digital currency to link cashless government subsidies to behaviors deemed appropriate by those at the top of the pyramid. No doubt there are plans in the works to record massive amounts of data from the Internet of Things and the Internet of Bodies on a centralized, permission-based blockchain which will be used to determine the eligibility for and quantity received of government aid in the form of a potential universal basic income, healthcare benefits, education, job availability, and more. In effect, those within this future system will be obliged to perform certain tasks in a certain way, or be denied goods and services essential to living life. Conversely, some in the independent media space, while recognizing the potential use of this technology by technocrats seeking to impose population-wide control measures, believe that a decentralized, non-permission-based blockchain can be used as a tool for liberation. They argue that a free cryptocurrency market combined with blockchain-based smart contracts can eliminate the need for central banks and governments altogether. Interestingly, though not surprisingly, the conflict between these two camps seems to get to the heart of the subtle distinctions created out of the left-right paradigm, and the confirmation biases that each brings to a media space that seeks to transcend that paradigm. Those who woke up to corporate corruption and globalist control from a libertarian perspective trust that a free market in cryptocurrency will ultimately break the back of the central banking cabal while those from a more left-leaning background fear that, that the wasteful, speculative nature of currency markets will ultimately open the door to centralization of power in the hands of those who control those markets. For them, blockchain leads to technocracy either way. Those of you who listen to this program will know that I am typically right-leaning, though I often have people on the program who represent the left to challenge my own bias. To my view, we all need to unite in the spirit of bottom unity, as divisions among us only serve the divide-and-conquer tactics of the upper classes. At this point in the game, we simply do not have time to fight amongst ourselves. I have invited Jason onto the show in just this spirit of cooperation, in the hopes that we can continue to erode the differences among us and discover better ways as we proceed with this information war into the future. Find out more about Jason Bosch and his podcast, If We Were Honest, at the Argus Fest channel on YouTube. One quick correction, we discuss the issue of Dr. Zach Bush and his involvement with an impact investment firm later on in the conversation. He was erroneously referred to as John Bush. Please excuse the mistake. As always, you can find out more about this program, The Shift with Doug McKinty, at www.theshiftnow.com or look it up on YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, or your favorite podcast hosting site. Please like, subscribe, and share this interview as we rely on listeners like you for distribution of the show. Without further ado, I'd like to thank Jason Bosch for agreeing to this conversation, and thank you for helping to make the shift. 
Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me on this, the 67th episode of The Shift. I'm joined today by Jason Bosch. He is the host of uh, If We Were Honest on YouTube. His channel is called Argus Fest. And we're having a conversation today about differences between, I guess, between the left and the right side of the paradigm as, as a lot of us become, quote unquote, conspiracy theorists. We still hold on to these confirmation biases that we've had from our past, or maybe they're maybe they're, um, you know, honest disagreements that we need to work through. And one of the issues that has just come up, uh, because a lot of us are talking about the Great Reset, uh, as my listeners will know, episode 62, I did with Allison McDowell. And there's become a little bit of a conflict uh, concerning blockchain technology. Uh, and it's been happening kind of between the, if I want to put it this way, between the Allison McDowell camp and the Derek Bros camp. Derek Bros is putting on the Greater Reset activation this week, and uh, he's invited a lot of blockchain enthusiasts. And so there's uh, been quite the raging debate that's happening uh, online right now between those who feel like a blockchain can be used as a tool to defeat essentially the centralized banking cartel and those who feel that blockchain technology is by its very definition uh, a tool for the technocracy. And Jason and I kind of, I won't say got into it a little bit, but we were kind of describing the differences in our personal philosophies about it. I think I lean towards uh, the Derek Bros camp and Jason maybe finds himself more in the Allison McDowell camp. And rather than continuing to try to have a, a you know stilted communication on social media, we decided that we would just get together uh, on this program and really have a more in-depth conversation about it and in the hopes that we can continue to refine the differences between the left-right paradigm as we, um, as we awaken or open our minds to the idea that maybe there is uh, something some sort of group or organization or just a billionaire class that has more control over all of us than we may think. We become quote unquote conspiracy theorists, um, but we're still going to have some of these fundamental differences. So in order to hash these out, uh, I invited Jason on the show and I just want to welcome him to the program. Thanks for coming on, Jason. How are you doing today? Hey, Doug. Thanks a bunch. I'm good. Uh, I just want to quick clarify, like, I don't really like the framing of like the Derek Bros camp versus Allison McDowell sure. camp, uh, you know, because I think it, I think we need to kind of get away from like um, framing these things in terms of teams, like which team are you on, um, and and just get down to like actually discussing the actual um, the merits of the arguments. Um, but anyways, just that's a little qualifier, sure. Uh, because I, I I I don't really like want to be seen in one camp or another. Like I'm in camp humanity, and and <laughs> however we get there is is we need to we need to have. I'm grateful for you having me on because I think these discussions need to happen, and uh, I, that's yeah. the problem is people do get you know set in their camps, and and they're not listening to the the concerns and the arguments of of, of others. So, um, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I think um, we can have a really productive conversation here. Um, in preparation for this, I was uh, listening to some of your um, your podcast episodes, and I especially paid attention to the one that you did with John Titus uh, as you were discussing kind of the overall theories of monetary policy. And I think the one thing that we do agree on, and as people you know, I sort of wake up into this, again, quote unquote, conspiracy theory uh, paradigm of viewing world events. Uh, one of the central issues is monetary policy. And um, a lot of us have realized that the way central banking works basically creates an artificial scarcity. So I want to take 
two minutes or so to describe basically what you and John were discussing, which is that currently in the current system, money is created out of debt. So when a bank gives you a loan for $10,000, then they create that amount of debt out of thin air. But what they don't create, and this is important for people to understand, they don't create the interest that you've got to pay back for that loan. And once you wrap your mind around this, you realize that there, if the money supply is created by the creation of debt, but then there's not enough money in the entire money supply to pay back the debt plus the interest, then all of us that are involved in this in this system, this currency, this controlled centralized currency system, are in a, in a situation where we have to compete with each other and there have to be losers. Some percentage of the population is not going to be able to pay off the debt plus the interest because all of us are competing with each other and those that are winning that competition are you know getting more of the money able to pay back their loans uh, but for those that don't win that competition they either are homeless go out of you know go out of business end up with no money uh, or they have to get another loan and so it keeps this whole cycle of debt going as you look into it more i think the only way you can describe it as as debt slavery uh, and again this creates a, essentially an artificial scarcity in the in the money supply so that we're all kind of stuck in this situation does that sound about right to you jason yeah uh more or less i mean well more actually but <laughs> that's a, that's a start of it for sure but I, mean, I think we we agree like water in my head um we i think we agree a, a lot on um that this is a problem this this federal reserve system and and international banking system that's been with us has been um parasitic and um yeah and and, and there is no there so i come from my background as i used to show documentaries and um media activists around but a lot of it was more kind of left stuff but i've i've always been kind of libertarian but i'm kind of like a left libertarian cuz i'm i'm a i'm an anti-capitalist libertarian uh -huh. if that makes sense and well i want to clarify that at some point in the show but yeah. um so i'm showing documentaries about ecology environmental issues about um about war poverty uh all, all of the different things that ail us and i realized that um, you know, there is literally no solution to these problems within this monetary framework. And so once I understood the monetary system, um, I was I, I began banging my head against the wall, trying to explain to um, other uh, other people that were a little bit more on the liberal side of things that, hey, you, you know, all these talks about climate or whatever, you, you know, you can't you can't solve that problem with a monetary system that whereas the the people you know a handful of people have the power to create it and and extinguish it 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 represents a debt to them to the banks not to each other mm -hmm. um and it and it has an interest that compounds that can never be paid back and it, you know there's there's you can't solve any of these other problems without solving this problem and it does there's a lot of things that need to happen but that is the single i would say that's the single greatest um challenge that we face in order to um, uh, in order in order to solve the problems that that we're all concerned about, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. the The number one issue in my mind right now, I think if we had a really healthy body politic that was really aware of what was going on, I mean, we can talk about creating a bigger welfare state all day long. We can talk about the fight for fifteen dollars an hour and raising the minimum wage all day long. And until we deal with this or taxes, yeah. 
Exactly. Until we deal with this, uh, this artificial scarcity of the currency that's imposed upon us by central banking, we're always going to have poverty. It does not matter what else we do. And there are solutions out there. There's multiple different currency options uh, that we could try out. Um, and actually, this is the, what I'm a proponent of is we should be trying all of them at once. There's no reason that we have this kind of geographic mentality that within the borders of this nation state, we all have to use this one currency. I think there should be local currencies. There should be industry currencies that are used basically credit systems within industries. Um, and I would advocate for the use of peer-to-peer of -peer blockchain technology as another form of uh, creating currencies as long as they're competing with each other, because I think then this would, this would eliminate, well, first of all, it would eliminate the scarcity problem because there would be plenty of currency out there. If people wanted to, you know, needed currency, they could get it. Um, but also because the currencies would be competing against each other, no one could dominate the market and overinflate themselves, which is what we see now, especially with the US dollar as the world reserve currency, it's capable of inflating itself almost to infinity. Um, and, and still not lose a heck of a lot of its purchasing power, at least currently. Um, but if we have competing currency systems, uh, then if one currency tries to inflate itself, uh, it's simply going to lose value against the other currencies. Um, I mean, what are you thought, you know, what are your thoughts about that? I just, well, uh, bounce yeah, back I'm, and forth. there's, there's a lot of layers to that, yeah. but, um, you know, that was one of the things, you know, I, I got involved with complementary currency over 10 years ago, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I helped, we, we tried to create a time bank here in, in Colorado. And unfortunately, we were all, everybody that was involved were just too spread out. So it's kind of one of those things where people, I think, need to be in closer proximity for it to work. Um, but uh, the idea of having uh, a, a other local complementary currencies that can be counter cyclical to the regular economy. So when the, when the, national currency goes down, it can fill in the gaps. Um, as a general principle, I think that's a good idea. Um, but I also think that it's really important as we, uh, you know, obviously th things are going to change. Things are changing really, really fast. And um, there's going to be uh, threats and there's also opportunities to, to create new systems. And since we have this opportunity, I think it's really good to not just say, oh, let's just do any and all, you know, any all currencies and just everything's great. Um, I think we need to first really, really understand the problem. And the issue of money is a complex one. It's not just looking, oh, what's a, it's a medium of exchange. It's a store of value. It's a tool of social control. There's a lot of different features to a monetary system and how it's designed. And there's also, I think, even beneath that, there's, um, there's, there's something that's like, not tangible about it as well. Um, Bernard Lietaire, uh, uh, you know, he was one of the creators of the uh, Euro, but he wrote several books, The Future of Money and uh, New Money for New World with a, a friend of mine, Stephen Zarlenga, who passed away, or not Stephen Zarlenga, um, um, Stephen Belgium, who passed away a few years ago. But mm -hmm. he's written several books about complementary currency. And he one of the lines that he had was, money is not value neutral. In other words, uh, depending on how you design the money, it's going to favor certain values over others. And it's just a nature of the, the beast. Like there's, there is no such thing as a value neutral money. Um, and so the, the way you design it, whether it's scarce or not, who has the power to create it, 
um, whose hands it is. If it's in concentrations in one person's hands, they're going to have a lot of power over others. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it changes our behavior too. Like if we, if we're, if we go through the world and I think this is one of the larger, um, I I don't want to say disagreements, but just just uh, different ways of looking at things that, that maybe we can have conversations and, and come to some understanding is, um, I think that there's, there's something flawed in the very, in, in, in looking at the world through markets and through money and through even measuring, you know, um, I think that there's an essence about what is valuable um, and what gets measured and what doesn't get measured. And, and a, there's a lot of value that it's just literally impossible to measure that value um, that, that we do value that, and that is, is valuable. Sure. But this idea of looking at everything through numbers and measurement and and that's why I like the I don't know if you're familiar with David Graeber, but he wrote um Debt, the first five thousand years. It's a great book. He's an anthropologist. Okay. And um so you know, he was just talking about like before money, um communities. I mean, this works in smaller, we have a challenge because this these were smaller communities, and so they could operate a lot differently than than we're having to figure out how to deal with in this global sense of you know, resource, you know, distribution and everything. But that this he he was talking about Adam Smith and the story the story of um, the myth of barter is he's got a whole chapter called the myth of barter so the economists the economists tell us that um, money was created because these communities were bartering and you know you have five chickens and I have a cow and how do we trade that well um, what he pointed out was there's actually no anthropological evidence of any community ever that existed on barter that doesn't mean people didn't trade things occasionally but he said there's no there's no evidence that this ever actually existed and that this was actually likely a story that um that was it wasn't it didn't even come this originally from uh smith he got it from someone else and i can't remember the name of the person mm-hmm. but um but so this but it sets this idea that everybody's always just looking out for one another and like i'm not going to give you nothing something unless you give me something but he was saying that these earlier communities actually existed more like on a kept economy in other words like someone needed their barn fixed or whatever um the community would just come out and help them you know like there wasn't any like oh tit for tat like i need to make sure you you know i get my you know, my money for this. And then, you know, yeah, maybe if someone was an asshole and didn't help out or whatever, people remember that, remember that. But, um, but we have a problem now where we're on this larger scale. So how do we deal with that? But there are, there are problems that we need to, to think about in terms of, um, what that does to humanity when we are just constantly looking at each other and looking at, at everything through uh, a market, you know, and I think that that's one of my biggest, um, concerns that I have a lot about a lot of like the crypto capitalist or the anarcho capitalist, um, mindset. And I, and, and by the way, I agree with them on a great deal of things. Like I, I have a lot of agreement, and, but I also have some disagreements and, and I, like I said, I, I think we need to have more of these conversations. Right. Absolutely. Well, let's, um, I think we should take a step back and then just talk about like, what is your definition of capitalism? Because that word is so Perfect. confused and, uh, I, I mean, certainly, like I have a problem with corporate capitalism, or even—I mean, I look at it as a longer-term system of colonization, corporate colonization, or even an extension of the old feudal system. Right? I mean, we can talk about that all day, and and how how uh, vile it is, and how much it steals the labor of the people that are participating in it. Um, but then, if I use say the concept of the free market, which is just a 
you know, a marketplace where people uh, can communicate with each other using nonviolence uh, and um, and consensual behavior, right? I, I don't have a problem with that. However, it it self organizes as a result. Um, so, what is your definition of capitalism, and then what are the problems so, that you have with it? <laughs> I'm very glad you asked that question because I think this is a big confusion. Yeah, um, I would hold events, and uh, and I'd. I'd be, you know, ragging on capitalism using the capitalism word, and right. and people have a different understanding of what that actually means. And I remember there was one event, and this guy stood up and he's like, "Well, I'm a capitalist," and I'm like, "Oh, really? Like, so what? Tell me about your 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 business or whatever." He's like, "Well, I run a business, and like he had like a hardware business or something. I can't remember." I'm like, "Oh, you're you you're a business person. You're operating within a market. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean you're a capitalism or a capitalist." Yeah. So I, I want to read something from David Graeber's book, Debt: The First Five Thousand Years that actually touches on this that has been uh, really um, useful for me to help understand the difference and and you know clarify you know what 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 issues that I have with the with the current setup um, so uh, this is from David Graeber we're used to assuming that capitalism and markets are the same thing but as a freight uh, excuse me but as a great French historian Bernard Boudel pointed out in many ways they could be equally well conceived as opposites while markets are always ways of exchanging goods through a medium of exchange historically um, waste with those surplus grain to acquire candles and vice versa and economic shorthand it would be c m c so that would c is commodity m is money and c is commodity so the equation would be C, you have commodity, you use money to get another commodity. So the money is, is just a, a mere medium of exchange between the trade of commodities or goods and services. So that's a market. Capitalism is first and foremost the art of using money to get more money. Mm -hmm. Normally, the easiest way to do this is by establishing some kind of formal or de facto monopoly. For this reason, capitalists, whether merchant princes, financiers, or industrialists, invariably, uh, invariably try to ally themselves with the political authorities to limit the freedom of the market so as to make it easier for them to do so. Now, so, so it's, it's literally the op opposite. And, and a capitalism capitalists are the people who use their money they don't create any value or anything they're 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 the, what i call the invest you know derek kind of laughed at my talking about the investor class but it's a real thing and many of yeah. us are many people even if you have a if you got a 401k you're kind of pulled into that world and i'm well, saying that there's something let me let me just finish and then mm -hmm. we can talk about it but okay. there's something there's something fundamentally wrong about that world where the people that have capital that use their capital to invest in order to get more capital. It's an extractive process um, by people who don't actually create the value. They don't invent anything. And this would be the banks. And it's, uh, so you have the banks and Wall Street. Um, the financial sector in America is greater than the goods and services economy. So those, to me, those are the capitalists. The capitalists is Wall Street, mm -hmm. the banks. I have no issue with markets, um, a real, an actual market where people come up with ideas and then they use something, money, as a medium of exchange. And how we design that money is something that we need to um, talk about and work out. Like, I don't even have all the full answers, but I see a lot of problems here. Okay, that doesn't work, but maybe this will work. Um, so, but to me, like, Wall Street shouldn't even exist. 
like it shouldn't even exist. We have this this gambling thing right. that is extractive of the real creators. Um, and so that's to me, that's capitalism. Capitalism are the banks and Wall Street, which I mean, all money needs to be is is a, a ledger. Uh, you did this for them, okay? You know, you have a credit, you have a debit. That's all you really need for money. Um, I mean, what's what's really needed to move forward and what really should matter is okay what's the labor you know are there people willing to do this work and what are the resources to do this work Mm -hmm. and if you have two people if you have a need and you have someone that's willing to address that need money should never be an obstacle to 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 making that connection happen and so how we design money really matters in terms of who has the power to create it and we can get into bitcoin and some of the problems that are associated with that but but that's my I, I, on the on the capitalism thing yeah i think this this thing from david graber is really useful to to recognize that we have both systems right now we live in a capitalist system as well as a market system there, there's two right. things that are happening at the same times one of them i don't really have an issue with although even within the market it still needs to have limits you know, we need to we need to be conscious of, of obviously with you know we need to start being a little bit more conscious of of, of resource. And I can get into um, th- there's some other issues I can get into with regard to that. But the capitalist piece of it does not need to it doesn't need to exist. We can actually and it's actually parasitic. It's actually really destructive to um, to, to actual markets, really. Well, let me you know. So my issue with the current system is exactly what you were talking about in terms of these these capitalists uh, are centralizing power and they're using uh, political systems, the government essentially to help them to centralize power. So I don't I don't think I have a problem in a free society without government influence with people pooling their resources together to build something that no one person could afford to build themselves, right? And then if they did that, and then as the, you know, whatever they constructed, uh, be it maybe a large corporation, but I, you know, in, in the old school, when corporations were sort of first being formed, it would be, you know, we want to build a bridge for our city. And so everybody in the city would buy, quote unquote, stock in, in the bridge building. And then when the bridge was built, you know, they'd charge everybody a little bit to cross the bridge and people would get paid back their investment plus some some profit for the effort. And so in my mind, if there is a society, so I guess the first place to start with this would be the issue that I have. One is that there are laws that restrict the number of, of markets that are around in the world. I mean, we have the New York Stock Exchange in New York, and I can't just start the Mendocino County Stock Exchange here in Mendocino, right, which would allow (coughs) local community members here to pool their resources into a local kind of stock exchange situation where we could, and then we could invest in our own community in this way. And And I, if that were possible, and I think in a free society, it would be possible if there weren't all these barriers to entry that are put up by the government, which are... Uh, which are backed and, you know, the government laws and rules are manipulated by these capitalists, this capital class. I was going to say Derek Bros calls it the predator class. Right? They're, I mean, we, they're mafia. It's, it's, mafia, it's, it's like, a mafia, right? Exactly. They're, they're cartels. They're, it's, 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 they're, they're gangsters. Right? Yeah. But I don't yeah. think the, the solution isn't to 
play their game. And that's, that's kind of my issue is you're, you guys, it's like, well, we want to play that game too. And I'm like, no, that's a bad game. Like the, I can tell you how the game of monopoly ends every time. I'm not psychic. I just, you can read the rules of the game and oh, this game ends with everybody owning everything. So the rules of the game um, are really important, you know, and um, there, you know, some of the crypto space folks are actually adopting some of the very problems that are with this system over here, even though the language sounds like, oh, but this that won't exist in our system. Uh-huh. That that cronyism isn't going to exist over here. But I can show that that's just not the case. I mean, it's actually there's there's things that are built into it already, like right at the at the outset that has that sets it up to having a certain group of people have more power over others, and not just based on merit. I mean, I know people like to throw around the idea of meritocracy, and I think it's a great idea a meritocracy but also even within a meritocracy um, nobody should have that much power even if you created a great product and everybody wants it you still shouldn't be able to have mass you know someone someone that has a billion dollars or even multi-million dollars and, and you have other people that have like nothing they have like incredible amounts of power over others so i want to design a system that truly decentralizes power like whether it's on the private side or the the you know the left is more concerned about the power that the government uh, that that the corporations have, and rightfully so, um, and the the right is more concerned about the power that the government has, and rightfully so. Uh-huh. I mean, when when we all know that they're actually working hand in hand. Well, that's just it, right? <laughs> there, it's it's one system. I, I like in this podcast, I'll call it the government corporate complex to try to get well, people and now out the of non-profit. that mindset. Well, now the nonprofit, right? And, and they have what's called a they had the third sector, which was the nonprofits, and now they're calling that the fourth sector, which are the pr- public private partnerships. So yeah. there's like this new, you know, B the B Corp, corp, there's this new class of, of corporation that's like straddling, right? Like the idea of public private, but it's but it's not accountable to the public, you know? right? That's how they're getting around things like pesky things like the Constitution that require that that hold back the power of government. Well, we're not. It's the government's not doing this. It's this public private partnership, and they don't have to care about human rights. You know. Well, they they sound like they do. <laughs> yeah, right. But they sound like they do, and they sure they're good. They're great at marketing and making it sound like what they're doing is you know for the good of all humanity. So we shouldn't be frightened about how much control they're going to have after they implement the system. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what where I'm. You know, to a lot of people never understand where I'm coming from because they always want to put me into some category. Right. Oh, you're a leftist or whatever. Like I'm I'm totally opposed just because I'm anti-capitalist, I'm just as much opposed to um the government power as well. I actually believe in smaller government. I do believe in a commons. I do believe that there's something that that all of us collectively I know people hate that word, but like, I, I think that there is, I, I do believe in the idea of a commons, that there are things that, that we all have, um, should have, I, I don't even like the word ownership, but I ha- have right. rights to access to, um, and that, uh, but so I don't fall into any particular category. So it's a lot of times people are like, have a hard time, like, you know, figuring out where exactly I'm coming from because there's, I, there's no historical, uh, framework for them to to put it into it's uh it's a problem that i share with you as well i mean once you kind of break down the left right paradigm and then you start looking at so many options it's challenging to understand how to get them all to coalesce and i guess this is why i tend to just fall on the side of non the non-aggression principle uh where if you're not 
attacking someone, if you're not being on the offense, if you're not, you know, having power over someone uh, and everyone's working together consensually, then whatever is happening is is sort of fine by me. I mean, I'm not going to I don't think that we can design a system, you know, I mean, this gets into the idea of the self-organizing system that an economy like the state of nature, like like in nature, there's no one, you know, the lion doesn't tell the water where to flow. <laughs> um, and I think economy can work um, in but the But if you had way. the money and water needed money and only the lion had money, the lion could tell the water where to go. <laughs> well, I mean, so I want to talk about this because you brought it up and this is a... This it could is build a, a dam. <laughs> right. The lion can build a dam. You can pay people to build a dam and divert the water. Sure. But this is the idea, again, that one person can amass, you know, is going like, like, this is what I get, say, from the communist camp. I mean, the, the typical communist argument would be that in a in a free market, which then they argue the strong will dominate the weak, and you'll have this capitalist system like you're talking about, this cartel system, and then um, eventually the cartels will duke it out, and then there's going to be like one winner at the end of it. Uh, until the whole system collapses, and then you have you know some kind of a communist thing, and and you you brought up uh, this idea that you know how how the game of monopoly ends. One person owns the whole board, right? I mean that's and that is true in the game, but in a in a free society where there were multiple currencies, I mean thousands of currencies that people could choose from. Um, do you see how would it be possible that one person could amass so much power, even if they amassed well, so much of one of the currencies, people could just use another one? They don't need- because what you end up is you get up you end up with a de facto monopoly. So um whatever like right now, like everyone's on Facebook. There are other choices, and like I would rather not be on Facebook, but this is where everybody's at. Right. So like let's you have a dominant currency and everybody's using this currency. Um, I have another currency. Hey guys, like Okay, I could. I, there's like one guy down the road that will like you know fix my bike with this currency. So you get you end up with de facto monopolies, and so it, it is really important. And then like so, for example, with Bitcoin, like I know well, this conversation started with Bitcoin. Did you want to say something? Well, I, I just I want to say. To I mean, I think to me that's a, a great leap that there's going to be a de, vac, de facto monopolization of the market. I mean, if if someone if there's only one guy that can fix your bike down the street then you know he can charge whatever he wants so you have some incentive to learn how to fix bikes and charge a little bit less than than the guy down the street and all of a sudden you know you're making a good living and assuming there's plenty of currency going around in the system and the and the bike guy down the street can't just come over to your house and break your legs right <laughs> um then right how does this how does this automatically result in a de facto well, need, i mean you even need to even, have a certain number of people that are using it so once something gets established that's why these companies like that's why uh, they always like to give you free shit like right at the beginning because they know once they have everybody in there they've got you, they got you you know sure. like you're not it's really hard to like organize and get everybody like to you know so so if you have like Currencies scattered all over the place. Which, by the way, I'm not against having multiple currencies. I'm just saying we need to be smart about this, and we also should be really conscious about which ones we're going to support, especially in the right. outset. Because once they get established, um, then you've got you've got like you're already like in this. You're, you've already got buy into into the system, and so you know like uh, it's important to to make sure that the ones you're going to support um, are are good. And also like there's I don't know if you're familiar with Steven Zarlenga. Um, but he wrote The Lost Science of Money, mm -hmm. which is a really, really powerful book. 
Um, but he, he goes into a lot about some of the problems with even having multiple private currencies and how, um, how they do, they do, uh, can become like local monopolies essentially. And cause there's other ways to coerce people than just straight violence. Of course, violence is always uh, a preferred method. I don't know if it's preferred. I mean, I think they would rather uh, do it other ways, but there's other ways to, 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 to get people, uh, to coerce people into, sure. into using a lot, a lot of psychological manipulation, like you're talking about giving free stuff, getting people to getting people hooked. Um, but I, you know, again, when you're talking, let's say just going back to the Facebook conversation, I mean, there are options that are out there. And if there was no government, if Facebook hadn't had the backing of, of certain government institutions in the beginning, uh, if there was more of a free market, I mean, heck, you know, if the whole internet probably would be peer to peer and decentralized, if it wasn't for government and corporate intervention on that level, and we'd just be living in a totally different world. So I think it's difficult to draw, uh, conclusions um based on you know what what in a free society what would a free society look like and, and then compare it to the the current situation because it's so radically controlled from the top down already yeah. when i'm in agreement with you with the problems with the current system i mean there's yeah. there's no doubt i mean the, the these these corporations and these institutions they're they're cartels and they work hand in glove with the government and the military and even the intelligence agencies yeah you know absolutely um there's and and now the foundations and nonprofits um i mean i don't view them as, sep as separate entities i just see them as as different branches of of something that's whole so right. um but i mean the discussion we had about bitcoin specifically was um you have a, you know, right from the outset, they designed a system where the people who get to create money are the miners. Right. Um, and, and first of all, that's a problem right there because you need to have like a fast computer. And now we have like these huge computer farms where like companies are, are, you know, amassing all this wealth, you know, Bitcoin wealth, which is not real wealth. It's all fake anyways. But, um, you know, they're amassing all these Bitcoins. So right there, you know, right at the outset, you have a certain class of people that have power over other people. So then everybody has to go to them and say, hey, can, I'll do work for you. Would you, you know, would you, or they can say, I'm going to give out grants. But again, it's giving them the decision-making power over everybody else. The other thing, oh. problem that I had with it or have with it is that it can be purchased. They can be purchased with, um, with Federal Reserve notes. Well, we know the Federal Reserve can create as much money as it wants um, as, as other, as other central banks. And mm -hmm. so. Um, right there, you they could they can inflate it and crash it. Like it's already built into the system that that they can manipulate it all day long. And then the other thing is it's got a commodity value. And one of the things I took away from Steven Zarlenga that I totally agree with is that money should never have a commodity value. Um, and I know this like the gold bug people won't like to hear this. <laughs> right. We had a great depression under the gold standard, by the way. Well, but, um, also for reasons of of corporate control of the gold market, <laughs> you know, and the and the Federal Reserve's. We don't even know how much time. gold there is in the world, and we don't need to be right. mining more gold, anyways. Like the Earth doesn't need more mining. All right. Um, uh, we can get into the problems ecologically with with the the economic system, both the monetary and the market-based system, there are some serious problems within, um, within those frameworks for, from an ecological standpoint. And so that, mm -hmm. you know, people look to the, the world economic forum and the, you know, the great reset, like, Oh, they're actually talking about addressing this. Of course they're, they're, they don't give a shit about the, the, 
ecology. I mean, they're building data centers. And if you know Corey Morningstar, if you're watching the interview I did with her, she was mm -hmm. talking about how like the amount of energy production it's going to take for these data centers sure. uh, is just immense. So, but anyways, I was, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, Stephen Zarlinga. So um, he said money cannot have a commodity value because if you have a commodity value that's speculated on, the value of your money will, will fluctuate. And you don't want your value of your money. You don't want your, your money, oh, like how much money do I have today? Let me look online and see. You know, you want your money to be, you know, to, to be, you know, it's a set standard, you know. So um, if you have a thing, it's a boom and bust sort of mentality. And again, that's the capitalist Wall Street mindset that we need to get. We need to come up with a new system. And by the way, I'm not saying I have the answer, right. but I do see problems within these different systems, including the government. You know, you know, even people that want just the government to create all the money. There's it, there's problems there that we need to figure out. You know, that I don't have the answer to. But that's why having these conversations is good. But the idea that money is a is a is a creation of law. Um, Historically, I mean, I, I know in theory people say we can just voluntarily set the, set up these monetaries, and and that has happened. But um, generally speaking, um, uh, if you have if your money has a commodity value, I'm switching subjects here, but uh, going I went off track there. But um, if your money has a commodity value, then it perverts its use and role as a medium of exchange because you don't want your, your money to be worth $100 today and zero tomorrow. Well, I mean, this is the thing, though. I mean, you're talking about money fluctuates in value, but money, you know, money again, It. I mean, we've kind of alluded to this already, but money itself really doesn't have any value. Its only value is the medium of exchange. And so it gets pegged to something else. And it gets well, that's not true. So like its value Bitcoin, is only in I mean, comparison. But but that's not true. Like I mean, money. All money should be as a measurement. Like it's just it's just all you need is some accounting, and that's all you need. It's like measuring right. the things people are doing for one another. But um, but if people start to make up money out of thin air, like when the gold guys, you know, started offering script, which is basically how cash got started, and then they discovered, right, right. well, I can offer ten times as much script yeah, as I have course. gold. Um, so if you're if you're the guy in charge of the ledger and you chart you start cheating, then there should be maybe another. I mean, if there's another commodity or other or or dozens of other commod or not uh, another currency or dozens of other currencies that people can choose from, then the value of your currency is only has that value in relation to the other currencies, and there is an exchange and a fluctuation that happens, and so you have to stay honest and virtuous, or else your commodity well, you will don't crash. if you're if 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 nobody accepts other these other currencies and so and that's well, and that's the problem that we get into even within a voluntary so let, let's say bitcoin becomes the dominant thing like people start using which i don't like, see that happening but um but i do think that you know it's it seems to be the thing that a lot of people are you know that they want to get out of this system or leaning towards and i'm just saying that well actually let's if we're going to get out of the system let's say let's actually get into something that's actually gonna that doesn't have um uh the seeds of its own destruction built right into its very design, well, which, see, which Bitcoin does. Absolutely. I, I kind of, I mean, I just, where I'm differing with you, like you bring up the fact that, well, the miners automatically have this kind of monopoly on the wealth creation and that gives them the power as they're creating the currency. I don't, what I perceive is happening is that Bitcoin essentially because it was the first is going to be the standard 
the general standard by which all the other currencies are compared to. And that's all it's going to be. I don't think people are going to spend it very much. I think people are going to maybe hold it long term as a kind of a retirement investment. Well, that's because it has a speculative uh, – it's it's trying to do two things. And I think that you can't – these two things are in competition with one another. On one hand, it's, it's, it's wanting to be a medium of exchange. On the other hand, it's wanting to be a speculative investment for people. And these two, these two values, these two things are actually in direct competition with one another. They can't both coexist. One of them is going to win out over the other one. And I can tell you which one will win out. It's the speculation thing that will destroy its use as a medium of exchange. So we need to create a money – We need to, if, if we want a money system that's going to be used as a medium of exchange, it cannot have – um, the speculative investor investing money in it in order to to make more money, the capitalist kind of mentality of it. Like right. I'm going to make money off of. I mean, <laughs> just the idea. I mean, this is a basic thing. Like See, just the idea that I'm going to make money off of doing nothing. I'm going to spend money. I'm going to make money off. Of. I but, think that mindset. There's something perverted about that mindset. I that don't. For some I don't, reason, people still like have this this belief that uh, you know. I when Bitcoin right. came out, I was calling it tulip coin because of the. I don't know if you know about the Dutch tulip yeah. craze. But to me, I see it's the same mindset. It's like, oh, this is worth a bunch of money. Well, what makes it worth money? Like, it's it's. See, it's crazy. I I see the speculative aspect is actually ensuring that it's holding on to its 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 virtue. It it makes it forces the system to be honest. So the people who are doing the speculating, who are professional investors or professional, you know, professionally working um, working the market. Um, their job is to make sure that coins, that the variety of different currencies that are on the market, and again, the market has to be a free marketplace. It can't be controlled by any kind of central player, or else then you're just looking at a cartel system again, and everything that you're talking about becomes true. But in a free market, then the spec, the speculative aspect has the function of ensuring that the currency maintains its integrity, and that no one person then can just create i'm going to create a billion more bitcoin and i'm going to have all the bitcoin in the world right because two, if you do that then it's going to crash there. on the market yeah there's two separate issues in there one is you know how money is created and who has the power to create it and what is created for and the other one is people you know buying money to speculate on it to or creating the money to spec to to, to make money um, those are two different things that that i think need to be talked about individually sure um yeah, I'm but, just talking about the market exchange right now, the speculative aspect. So, so money, there should never be a money market exchange. Like, there should never be buying and selling of money for the for the purpose of profit. You know, you know how George Soros got so rich, right? Right, but again, and actually, many of these people, by the way, many of these people, sh- sure, that, that are that are doing a lot of harm to the world, got that, rich from, and they crashed entire economies. This their speculation on money has crashed entire economies and and left millions of people destitute within the context of, of a fixed market not within the con- within the context of a already monopolized market with a central banking system if there was a free it, currency market they wouldn't never have the power still have to do the that. same issue if you you have people speculating on money and like let's say we have a bunch of independent you know uh, currencies that people then are buying and selling as speculative investments in order to make a profit, you're going to get that same thing. You may not be as extreme um, as as some of the things we've seen with like, um, for, for example, I mean, that's how the, the, the Rothschilds made their money, like speculation. Um, well, so, they, and they they helped to create this central banking scheme. They were definitely one of the one of the key families for yeah. sure. 
I'm not the only one, but yeah. for a major one. Yeah, and sure. that see that to me is how these these you're talking about these cartel guys, these mafia figures who fix the market and then skim off the top. But in a free market where you can't fix the market because anyone can participate, and if somebody tries to fix the market, they can either get punished it's beyond just for fixing it in the market. Though it's it's even like just the booms and bust. Everybody's investing here, even if it's a free market. Everybody's investing here. All of a sudden, this your currency goes up and then it goes down because everybody jumps out. That is that is not a healthy system. That is just not for what you want to accomplish. You're trying to do two things at once here, or not you, but you know, people that are, that are operating in the space, they're wanting to make the world a better place. And they want to have something that's stable as use a medium exchange that will help facilitate, uh, market exchange that's healthy that helps that creates things and does things for people. And then, and then you have this other thing that wants to, um, invest money and and like it's gambling. It's I mean it's it's straight up gambling. Like you're gonna and then you're gonna pull your money out when, when it's doing bad and put it back in when it's and then if you have a bunch of these you can you can start doing that. See, but that's gambling. That's it's, that's it's, just straight gambling. It's so interesting that I mean I the way I look at it is that if you have a healthy market, a healthy currency market, it's going to be really stable. And you're actually not going to see these big swings, except for maybe in certain specific newer areas, a new currency joins the market. Maybe there is a lot of speculation going on with a new a new idea that's being invested in with a new kind of currency or whatever. And a lot of people will you know, trade their Bitcoin for this new currency because they think the idea is going to take off. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some with some of the, some currencies, but I would expect that ultimately... Uh, like the Bitcoin or some of these will become very, very stable investments and not have these boom and bust cycles over time. If the market is allowed to remain a free market, it's not cartelized or centralized in any way. And um, I mean, maybe this is a good time to kind of talk about this this difference uh, in opinion between how how the blockchain technology is used, because there are people that use the blockchain technology for centralization. But there's a lot of market pressure in the blockchain space and in the cryptocurrency space, especially to keep it more decentralized, more on this peer to peer level as much as possible. So the more centralized the currency becomes, the less the market, you know, wants to go in that direction because nobody wants a central nobody wants to be a slave to a power monger right <laughs> well that's what <laughs> i mean kind why of, would the I market grow to create a, a yeah. power you know this powerful well, that's individual I've, when nobody wants to invest in that they want to invest in their own freedom yeah so this is what's really kind of perplexing to me about this whole thing is um that so many people within the crypto space the the things that they they want to they believe in um, the the thing that they're doing doesn't actually get them to where they want to go. A lot uh-huh. of so, but I I mean I I'm involved with like Ethereum and different different spaces that I've, I've interacted with a lot of people in those spaces, and it's kind of like it's a mixed bag. You have like idealist young idealist people that want to do the right thing, and then you have like venture capitalists. Sure. And and um, I actually I, I want to harness that the 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 idealist the people that want to make the world a better place. Um, and and to have that this conversation uh, about the problems and there are inherent problems with the design of bitcoin now i'm not opposed to actually ever using anything as a any kind of crypto as a medium of exchange right. um you know i'm not like just 
no cryptocurrency ever. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there can be used, and even Bitcoin can be used. I think Bitcoin will probably be used by some people to do things outside of the system that will be good, will be good and useful. I'm not like this isn't a black or white sort of thing. I mean, even Federal Reserve notes like are used for good, like even though it's sure. a bad system. But I can't get over the fact that um, with 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 Bitcoin, the initial creation of the money. Um, like some local, some local, uh, tomato farmer, uh, from Mexico or whatever, doesn't have, doesn't have a computer. He can't create Bitcoin money, but he's, he brings value, uh, to this world. So now he has to go, um, submit his value to, to this, uh, to these other people that have, uh, have, have already just right as the money creation, they already have a lot of value or well, whether well, some, whether they bought into it with federal reserve notes or they created it through mining, the mining process, it's already right at its, it's at its Genesis, um, created a disparity in power. Well, like I, right I want to, I want to address this issue too, though, because the person who's mining the bitcoins needs tomatoes. So he's going to trade some Bitcoin for his tomatoes. I he doesn't mean, need tomato, that many tomatoes. Tomato I mean, value. You've got, you know, let's say you've got like, you know, millions of dollars in Bitcoin that you mined. You 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 all of a sudden will have like massive amounts of power over other everybody else. Like, yeah, sh- sure. There's a handful of people right now. You could go. There's pe- there's rich people that need stuff that I can go. Hey, I'll make a video for you or whatever. Um, but I I I still come back to the power distribution problem, and well, uh, whatever I mean, system we design should right at its beginning address this issue of of how do we distribute power equitably and and correctly i mean i I guess that's the thing jason is that is that the difference maybe that i'm talking about is that i don't i can't we're not going to design a system that everybody's going to want to use right i mean we can design we can design a system that we like and then you and i can trade with that (laughs) but you know in a free society right some people are going to trade on a currency market i mean i think they just are i don't see how you're going to stop you can avoid that. that by by creating a system that that through the 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 way that the if the way the current you can design a currency that doesn't allow for that that would that would you know there's one of the stories in um in uh the lost science of money by steven zarlenga and hopefully it's not distracting i'm looking at my computer even though my camera is up here it's fine it's fine yeah um but one of the stories he tells is one of the the emperors or kings or whatever i can't remember which one i need to i need to revisit it but he he had created the money out of this um this iron and he actually had the he made the iron very brittle, um, and so they would trade these these pieces of iron, and but they would break really easily because he didn't want the money to actually have a commodity value because he knew that if 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 it has a commodity value, it will start to be traded um, as a spec as an investment or be used for other purposes. And it, you want you want to create a money if if you want to have something as a medium exchange, you need to create it with the sole purpose of being a medium of exchange. And, and, and we can get into, there's a lot of complications about how to do that. And I'm not saying that's a simple thing to do, but there actually are things you can do. There's designs that you can build into the very design of the money that um, make sure that the money doesn't have a commodity value and, and that, it's, that it's just simply used there as a medium of exchange. I and guess. then how it's created, how it's created is... Um, right. I guess I just, you know, again, it just comes back to this. I think some people will create money that's backed by commodity value, and some well, they people are, will, obviously. will commit. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, let's just in a in a free world, it's an option that some people will take if they're in the gold business. They'll probably mine some gold and. and well, I'm not telling anybody they can't and, use Bitcoin. I'm just arguing that it's not a good. It's. I'm just saying that it's not a good. Uh, a, a, 
it's it's it, it's not a very good design for accomplishing many of the goals that people um, say they want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's I mean, also, that, I'm not and, telling anybody they can't do it. I'm not, I believe in the non-aggression principle. I'm not, I make my arguments and people can take them or leave them. I don't have right. any power over anybody. Uh, I'm just throwing ideas out there and some of them are, you know, obviously uh, not mainstream. Um, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I just, I think that in a, in a free society, you're going to have people that I just think there's going to be all kinds of different kinds of money, right? I mean, there's going to be the money that uh, the timeshare money that I just trade my hours of labor. And, you know, there's going to be local currencies where I trade my labor locally. And there's going to be currencies that are just credit systems between industry, you know, there's going to be all kinds of different, then some of the money is going to be backed by commodity. And it's all, I mean, I think then it all has to kind of compete with each other on some kind of uh, marketplace well, I see, so we I, know this is, the I value think... if we're going to trade within. Like maybe I want to buy some cannabis and there's a cannabis coin and I have, you know, I have a hundred uh, timeshare hours from my local community and I've got to have some way to trade, you know, my timeshare hours for cannabis coins so I can go smoke a joint, right? I mean... I, that seems like that would be kind of how it works in in a in a real free society where there's not this centralization and this cartelization of the currency system. Yeah, yeah, but you're going to get that. I mean, it's just it's just going to happen. It's just a the nature of the beast, mm-hmm. um, and that's why it's it's really important to you know initially the the money you design to go into it, understanding all these pitfalls and trying to do your best um, to prevent those things from happening um and and the idea of having just yeah we have multiple multiple things one of them is going to be dominant and it's going to be dominant based on a a lot of other things that's not just free market everybody everybody just you know making their choices um and and i want to say one other thing too though but like um about this whole idea i mentioned it earlier about like just viewing the world through market exchange and competition um, there's a different way of looking at the world which is i'm i'm more interested in cooperation um i sure. actually you know like yeah friendly competition that's fine but i think that there's too much emphasis on um competition and you know uh um uh, well i couldn't agree more with that who's you know? the uh my brain's just just shut off darwin uh he wrote right origin of the species um but his his second book descent of man um he actually apologized for um putting so much emphasis on the survival of the fittest because he saw how that was being used by economists <laughs> right. as, as, social, as a social darwinist as right. an excuse for like oh i'm rich but i'm rich because i'm just the dominant species and and i i earn this and i deserve this and that idea that that people are rich that that we have a meritocracy and the people that have money are they they somehow virtuous right they're they're more virtuous so he actually apologized and and then he made the point that actually in old growth forests um there's a lot more cooperation it's really the younger earlier species that are more survival the fittest but once like an old growth forest gets established there's a there's an incredible amount of exchange um of nutrients and sunshine and all sorts of different things that that there's uh, that there's a lot of a lot of more competition and harmony that happens in in that space yeah um so you know and i think this is a different way of looking at the world there's a couple of films that i recommend one of them was put out by smithsonian which is you know i'm not a big smithsonian fan but um, it was a good documentary it's called the grammar of happiness and it was a missionary that went down into um i can't remember the tribe but some tribe down i think in brazil and he was he was going to go there and convert them to christianity but he also um 
uh, was an anthropologist, so he was studying them. Uh, actually, he was, I'm sorry, he was not an anthropologist. He was um, a linguist. So he was studying their language. And he noticed something very peculiar about them that they didn't have numbers. They didn't have words for, for, for numbers. They had like one, two, and then a bunch, you know, uh -huh. like they didn't really like, they weren't as focused on counting. Um, and, and somebody made the point like, so like a mother that has five kids wouldn't, somebody said, you have, have a bunch of kids. You have five <laughs> kids. And she would be able to answer that question. She's like, how many kids do you have? She wouldn't be able to answer it. But she'd be able to tell you who her kids were. But like our emphasis on like, we've got too much of an emphasis on numbers and naming things and cataloging them and like dissecting them. And we've got a mechanical view of the world. And, and I think that there's something, for lack of a better world, that's like, like you're losing the essence and yeah. there's something that's that, that we need to like, there's a connection here that, that, that can't be defined. It can't be calculated. Right. It can't be measured. Um, that actually is more important. Well, J Jason, let me say this. I mean, I uh, absolutely agree with you 100%. And that's why I believe in a free society. And I would argue that these, I like, believe in a free society too. <laughs> these, right. But the, you know, so we have kind of a different, maybe a different vision or whatever of how, of how we can achieve that. But I would argue that like a currency marketplace, for example, is merely an information exchange. It's just an exchange of information from the, the average person that, you know, is working on the street and is using a couple different currencies, but prefers this one over that one or whatever. And then that information gets relayed through the currency market. So to my mind, like the currency market is very much like the information that's exchanged from in within the forest, the root systems, you know, the mycorrhiza and the way that they're exchanging that information on this very subtle energetic level is is very similar in my mind to the kinds of information that's getting exchanged on a currency market on that same subtle level where you don't have to communicate with language you know, but you can just communicate kind of, it's like a way of, of just the, of gauging the pulse and the health of the society at large, actually, by having healthy currency markets. Now, a healthy currency market can only happen in a completely free society, right? As soon as somebody uses violence and starts to cartelize the system, then of course, they're going to be the rich guys on top and they're going to have, so we have to talk about how to prevent that from happening. Um, but it's not the problem in my mind of the currency exchange itself, right? That to me is is a reflection of exactly what you're talking about, a more natural and holistic way of viewing the world. But if you're looking at money in terms of a natural thing, it's not. Money is a, a fiction. Money is uh, will always be a fiction. It, it, it's not. It's 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 it, historically it's a it's a product of the law. The law, law creates money. Um, but like this idea of like the volunteerism and that we all have volunteered to agree this to, to use this thing and we can leave any time that's fine too. And I know in some small scales that that does exist, but money is not a natural thing. And, and what, and what it represents is really important. So what is this, you know, this, this coin or whatever represent the value that this person created. They did something that it was value to me or the community. And this, this is just a mere representation of that, that, that we're going to go around and exchange, right. but the money should never have value in and of itself. It's always the, what it's representing that should always be at the forefront right. of what and the value is. And with this, you have, you have money. Bitcoin has value way beyond any actual value that it creates in the real world. That's well, a fact. See, I, you know, um, again, like, okay, you know, you want to talk about the miners, like when they first, the, the first miners who did it invested tens, you know, thousands of dollars in their computers and thousands of dollars into the electricity to do it. And they, and they were making coins that were worth, you know, zero or 50 cents. 
And so they were counting on the fact that it would accrue money or would accrue value over time. And the only reason why why Bitcoin has that value now is because compared to fiat currency, it's actually, I mean, the fiat currency is this cartelized, centralized system that just continues to print more and more. And this, this organization, you know, this. Look, I'm not going to disagree with you about the problems with the fiat currency. Right. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll be in agreement there. I, so. I'm just saying that, you know, I understand what you're, where you're coming from about the idea of value. But I do think that, that, you know, all currency is basically just a represent, representation of, to, to my mind, it's actually ultimately only backed by labor. Um, it just, it's just a representation it, it of the be, labor yeah, that, value that you, that you produce. I mean, labor, you, I, I labored and it was value is, is there's a valid validity there, yeah. but that's not what the Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is not labor. I mean, someone's bought a computer, someone had some money, whether they were born into it or they actually earned it on their own or whatever, or they got a loan or whatever, um, money, it was based on a, a fucked up money system to begin with and, and all the massive disparities that exist within that framework already. And then this person or, or a government, I mean, in most of the, you know, who owns all the Bitcoin? Do we even know? I don't think we know. Right. But, but I think, you know, large governments and there's a lot of large institutional investors there that own a lot, a large portion of it. So they have a lot of power already right off the bat beyond the actual labor or someone who's actually going to create something and do something. And so that's my big issue with it. And I'm not opposed to like having, you know, to some extent having multiple currencies, but you do kind of with money, you do kind of need to have some kind of standard and and you want your money to be used at, at lots of different places. Otherwise, it's just not functional as a medium of exchange. If no, if, you know, you can have lots of money. It, it, if it's if no one takes it, it's useless. Well, I want I do want to have the conversation. I think maybe we got another fifteen minutes or so, and then we'll hit two hours. It's probably as long as we want to go. Yeah, but I, but I I did want to hit um, this kind of fundamental disagreement that we were having about blockchain technology in general, and I don't know. Uh, that you, I don't know that you're necessarily hardline. Doesn't sound like you're super hardline, even though you have your suspicions, say about about Bitcoin in general. But um, I wanted to make the point. I'm opposed and, to. I mean, I, I don't think it's a solution. Sure, you know, fair, ahead, fair enough. But I just wanted to um, have a conversation about the difference between the decentralized blockchains and the centralized ones, because I think that was kind of a, a fundamental misunderstanding, say, between the the Derek Broses and the Allison McDowells, if you will. Where Allison is clearly doing again, all this I research, like I, 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 you know, I'm just making the delineation to to kind of show the the the, the different sides of the paradox, if you will, as we have this this conversation. But I, I'm with you there. Um, I don't want to call. I'm not calling anyone out. It's just it, our, you know, the frame of this conversation happened to come within the frame of that conversation. So, so um, um, anyway, I do want to touch on this point of from the research that I've done, I mean, what Allison is concerned about and the blockchain technology that they are clearly rolling out in terms of of this centralized blockchain technology, the central bank digital currencies and the various different state applications uh, of blockchain technology. I mean, these are very different from the cryptocurrency space, right? I mean, you, you know, it you seemed agree, like... Agreed, it yeah. seems no, like I never... never it just seems yeah. like a lot of people, as we're having this conversation, I mean, I appreciate that our conversation has been much more nuanced. Um, but and and so I just want to caution people, I guess, about having these big fights, you know, especially amongst people. We're all fighting the technocracy here, right? I mean, unity's yeah, yeah. got to be well, the my priority. Criticisms of, my criticisms of uh, Bitcoin are independent 
of my criticisms of CBDCs, which is central bank di digital mm -hmm. currencies, which is what they're, they're going to use the blockchain for their own thing. And even Ethereum, like Ethereum is obviously, you know, I'm sure there's, there's some, there'll be some good applications for it. Um, and there are, uh, and then, and, but it's also being used by some of these impact investment firms for very nefarious purposes. And right. so, you know, like again, have the nuance you, is important to understand. Like, okay, here's the good, here's the bad, and here's right. the the ugly. Have uh, you but seen my criticisms that, of Bitcoin are specific to Bitcoin, and I'm not conflating it with what the central bank is planning on doing. Right. Well, I mean, what I've from my research, and James Corbett did a great episode about this too. The uh, the Bitcoin psyop, where people just get confused about blockchain technology versus the different forms that it can take. I mean, the, the, at least in the cryptocurrency space, and as you're saying, there are problems and you have to look at each specific currency for what they're doing and how they're how they're doing it. But within the within the grand scheme of the space, there's a lot of market pressure to bear on decentralizing. And so these are decentralized permissionless blockchains, right? Where anybody can participate and they're trying to at least create a system where there are as many nodes in the system as possible, as many miners as possible, so that they're not just, you know, there's not going to be one miner that controls the whole thing, which is one of your one of your issues, right? And so But it's not one miner. There there are but there there definitely <laughs> is a massive concentration of of wealth and power already within that system before it's even being used as a medium exchange. In fact, it's not even being used all that much as an actual medium exchange, from what I understand. It's it's mostly a speculative investment for the most part right now. But I know that it is there are exchanges that are happening, but right. in terms of um volume, it doesn't seem very high in terms of how much actual coinage there is. No. No, I mean, I hear you. And there's a scalability problem that's happening because it takes a long time to, to pay for something in Bitcoin because they have to, you know, it takes a lot of computing power to well, that's cut the Bitcoin issue, up and yeah. make the and make the blockchain happen. And so sure. so some of the sometimes well, and, the scalability and that, problem makes it more dangerous, right? It makes it easier for people to kind of skim off the top or like I know I was doing research into this lightning network, which Jack Dorsey is investing in, who that's a red flag for, for yeah. me. There are, there are already uh, Joseph Gonzalez. Um, he goes by Bantam Joe on and. Uh -huh. Facebook, but he's he's actually really good because he's he's been uh, looking at this and he was into Bitcoin and uh, and understood how there are these intermediaries uh, intermediaries that are entering the picture that are actually stripping away the peer to peer um, the direct peer to peer uh, relationship. Well, and that's exactly what we have to watch out for, right? I mean, anyone, I think you know, anyone in the crypto space, if it doesn't continue to remain peer to peer, if it starts to centralize, then I mean, I you know, and a lot of people now are. I wish we had a peer to peer internet, so there was a lot less centralization of the internet, and there was no Google. Yeah, yeah. You the know? internet was the the hope of the internet was so great, and now you're yeah. we're starting to see that it's becoming a centralized. Uh, system for control and manipulation right and that was uh, i mean that was something that was done by i think uh, i think allison does the research and whitney webb to some extent where that you know there and she always talks about the i haven't read it yet but the surveillance the the uh, levine book surveillance yes surveillance valley surveillance valley i mean right there's so there's a lot of intelligence community involvement in, in the building of the centralized internet to make sure that it we didn't have a peer-to-peer -peer, we didn't have this decentralized free system but, you know, again, just to reiterate, so there is, you know, 
to educate maybe i mean to my mind i don't want to use a, a, a cryptocurrency that's in that's centralized i want to use a cryptocurrency that is totally peer-to-peer -peer and has as many nodes and as many you know individual miners as possible so that we don't see the kind of confluence of power that you're concerned about and i would just hope that over time you know the market pressure is going to tend towards the the currencies that are more decentralized and away from the ones that are more centralized and and then we do see the flip side of this these central bank digital currencies and a lot of these other uh, currencies that state governments are thinking about these blockchain technologies that are inextricably woven into the fabric of technology, uh, excuse me, of technocracy, as Alison McDowell points out, these are, are centralized, clearly centralized blockchain ledgers. I mean, it's a totally different thing. I mean, it sounds to me like some people are concerned that if they start using Bitcoin, then all of their data and the internet of things is going to get sucked into the Bitcoin and everybody, you know, everybody who uses their Bitcoin is going to know everything about them in the future. And I, you know, I mean, yes, that's the, that's the intent of the central bank digital currencies. You get your UBI only if we give you permission and you give us permission to acquire all of your data, you know, but, and, and we'll give you this, this digital wallet that you can use for your you know use the central bank digital currency off of but this is a different system of, of blockchain technology this is a centralized system and yeah the technocrats are are very hip to this one but the cryptocurrency space is different not that it doesn't have its problems but i think in the in the market of cryptocurrency there's a lot of pressure again to to ensure that it remains as peer to peer as possible and as decentralized as possible whereas the technocrats love it for the more centralized the better for them mm. Well, I, I consider a lot of the people that are within that space to be allies. And even uh -huh. though I, if I have disagreements with them about this or that, or, you know, specific uses of, of um, this specific, um, not uses, but the design, like a Bitcoin, for example, but I'm not, I don't totally dismiss the idea of ever using any cryptocurrency for anything. Right. I'm not, I'm not just like, I'm not like a hardliner against, I'm just saying like this particular one has some glaring, um, uh, design problems right built right into it sure um, i want to do can i do one more quote from uh philip goodchild yeah sure um I, I, again like it's 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 interesting to think about money as we as we move forward in these spaces and trying to figure out like what's going to work or not um we can't just think about money in terms of it, the technical the technical side the, the design of it we have to think about it in in, in other terms as well so th this is a quote um money is that which is of most social value. It is the precondition for the realization of all other ends. All other ends must be suspended until sufficient money is obtained for their realization. Money thus posits itself as the supreme being, the focus of attention and desire, the principle for the realization for capital projects. Money posits itself as God, the principle of all creation. And I think that's just like a really interesting way of putting that of like the idea that uh, whether it's money or property, you want this, but you have to have this thing. Like it becomes an intermediary and it can mm -hmm. be useful if it's, if it's designed well, it can actually help facilitate and overcome a lot of the challenges, especially with larger projects. And like you said, but right. again, we need to get, stay at the root of, of what actually really matters. And a lot of my 
discussions. I don't know how many of my talks you, you know, my interviews I've, I've, I've done, but you know, one of my big things is, is recognizing what's real and what matters, what, what the real value is and what's uh, the fiction and what's the representation. Sure. So I see property, money, law, contracts. These are, these are fictions and they can be useful fictions. They can right. help us to, to do stuff. But at the end of the day, um, what really matters is the real, which is you and I, human beings, community, our ecology, the environment, um, the future, future generations, um, and that's the real, real thing. So we have a we have a a real world, and now we have these fictions that are actually taking over the real world in a literal sense. You know, I don't I don't view co- a computer as a real thing. I think it's 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 a really amazing interface with incredible representations, but it's not real. It's a, it's right. a ghost. And, 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 and when we start seeing it as a real thing and they say like, even the world economic forum that you're not going to be able to differentiate right. uh, the, I mean, the artificial they, from the real. And you're going to be inside the virtual world or you're going to have a, a virtual twin that's inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's crazy the way they're talking ever about manipulable. It. They can manipulate that, manipulate you uh, yeah, all day long. And it's, it should scare the shit out of people. I don't want to scare people, but this should scare the shit out of you. you know, uh, but, but realizing just remembering what's real. And what matters uh, is is right. is life, and 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 we have these systems that are anti-life, and and money in many ways and property uh, can and are uh, be very anti-life, and so that's just kind of my well. And look at the know, direction that it's. It. I mean, ultimately transhumanism, right? I mean, these people aren't. It's not. They they worship the technology, like you're talking about. I mean, that to me is a prop. To me, mm-hmm. there can be a balance between these these. To if uh, you know, I'll talk about them as the antipodes, the opposites of a paradox, right? I mean, the the human, the organic on the one end, and and the tech technological on the other end. And reality has got to be somewhere using a balance of the two. That the technology is a tool, but if you forget your humanity while you're using it, then what's the point of the tool? I mean, you know, yeah. if you lose your freedom and just become a machine, what's the point? I mean, what have you done? It's that's a tragedy right there. You don't want to go there. I did want to mention one other thing about what you were talking about in terms of the story, because you kind of mentioned that on one of our Facebook exchanges as well. And I've done a lot of thinking about, you know, what is a, a cultural mythology, if you will? Like, what is mythology? I mean, it's a story, but it's it is an important story, you know, and we need to keep. So I agree with you about the story, but the question is what, you know, the stories do have a function and actually a really important function. Uh, the story that you believe in is, you know, ultimately really your reality. And, uh, and so, you know, that's the purpose of a conversations like this is, is where's the story going to go from here, right? To, to try to understand that we're, uh, you know, we're in the process of writing, of writing that story. And we want to write one that, um, you know, does create, um, an abundant life for, for humanity and really for all life on the planet with abundance and sustainability. Um, that's the challenge. Yeah. I mean, when I think, go ahead. That's when I think the story is interesting because, um, I think the, um, the stories we tell ourselves, need to be grounded as much as we can have them be in reality right and i I, you know like i know there's a lot of people in the new age where like we just manifest our reality and our belief creates reality and uh, certainly i think if you have a positive attitude you're you know it's it's going to have an influence on your life there's no doubt right um but I do, do think I, I did a, a show recently with Sherry Honkala, who's a homeless, uh, formerly homeless mother and activist for many 30 years, uh, 
and she she was she gave a quote from Philip K. Dick, and and the quote is, um, "Reality is that which which with which uh, one you stop believing in it doesn't go away." And and I think right. that 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 like whatever systems that we create, because when you have when you have resources and you have money, you can live pretty sheltered from the real world, like so to speak. You know, like I, I think about Bill Gates or some of these people, like they have no idea. <laughs> like they they look at this, you know, like outside, like they don't understand actually what it's like to be, the, you know, to to live in poverty or how most of the world actually lives. Right. And and you can and or even like uh, Lucian or some of these people that are like doing the. Um, you know, promoting like uh, impact investments and stuff to help the help the world, and it sounds really nice. Nice, but you can tell they're they live a very sheltered world. They, they they don't they don't really understand the the reality of 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 people live, people's lives um, that that live in poverty. And so, yeah. I think that our our beliefs, as much as you know, and, and I I have you know a privilege comparative compared to most people in the world. I mean, I I don't have money or anything, but. Um, you know, compared to most people in the world, I live pretty good. Um, and, but it gives you, it gives you the freedom to, to, to live in a, a fantasy land and create your own reality and all that. But right. I think that we need to, to base our stories, um, that need to be grounded in, in, in reality as well, but also, but also imagination, you know, it, like the, the reality today does not need to be the reality tomorrow. And, um, we need to look at, in its ugly face, Mm-hmm. Um, but we also need to have the ability to imagine another reality and to work to create that other reality. Well, that sounds good, Jason. Thanks for coming All on right. the show. It's probably a good yeah, place to wrap it up, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, it seems like, honestly, we have some, some disagreements here and there, but it seems like, you know, we agree that power needs to be decentralized and we agree that people by and large need to live in a free world where they can make choices for themselves. And, you know, we can hash out, I think, I think if we solve those two problems, then the rest of these issues, you know, will get hashed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and um, uh, yeah, so yeah, my that's my thing is I think that there's a lot of people in the crypto sp- space that that um, I consider allies, and you know, I, my enemies are the people on Wall Street and the the, the people in Davos and the you know right. people in Washington D.C. I don't, <laughs> I mean, even the, even the protests, like people on the left are all upset about the the demonstrators, and obviously the ones that went in, you know, that that, that raised broke shit up, and whether they're paid or not is, you know, we don't know, but. Uh, I mean, I have my suspicions, but to, to me, it's like, it's, it's a distraction. I mean, it's horrible and it needs to be dealt with, but that is not the center of our, that, that should not be the center of our concern. Yeah. Uh, we need to be focusing on the people that actually have real power. <laughs> you know, I think that's how you can really tell that the whole system is corrupt because there are so many good ideas out there, like all the, well, all the stuff we've been talking about tonight, especially when it comes to monetary policy. There are so many smart people that actually make almost no money writing these crazy books about monetary theory and they have so many great ideas about how to expand you know abundance and wealth and happiness for everybody on the planet it'd be easy to figure out how to make people you know maybe not everybody could be rich but people shouldn't be worried about where their next meal is going to come from or whether they can pay their rent i mean we just shouldn't have those stressors and the ideas are out there they're just available and there's there's plenty of land and resources right there's plenty 
And so, you know, the fact that no one in politics will talk about these things, I mean, come on, you know, no one on the mainstream news is going to let you talk about, you know, the public banking idea, for example. Well, Dennis Kucinich actually sponsored a bill by the American Monetary Institute, AMI, uh, the the NEED Act, which would have uh, nationalized the Federal Reserve and had the the Treasury create money, not as a debt, but as an asset and spend it into circulation, which is actually, if you look into them, I know like a lot of libertarians don't like government. But there are actually some really good ideas there that I think uh, I don't believe in like a one system. Like you said, I actually like the idea of having, you know, some fallbacks, um, but being smart about how you do that. Um, But yeah, the the public banking thing as well. But the public banking thing is, is a problem if they don't. The problem with the public banking institute is their system operates within the Federal Reserve System, and that's a huge problem. Like yeah. we, at the end of the day, we have to get rid of this the system, and we have to literally take back the power of money creation. Whereas right. a public banking institution is basically just pr- saying, well, states and local governments should be able to access the discount yeah. window at the Federal Reserve, and that's good. It would create more money for those communities. But of course, we all know how governments spend money. Like you know, like they're constantly raising taxes, and then like, oh, the schools need help, and then oh. <laughs> Schools need help. Right. Schools, you know, I, I want money to go to the schools, but I also don't trust these motherfuckers. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, public banking was a great compromise. I actually did some local activism to try to uh, get a local bank for our for our county here because I think it is a way of basically using the the, the corrupt system to at yeah. least keep the wealth in the community. It would it would help. It would do some just like you know even Bitcoin. I know that there's some things that will happen within that space that will be helpful and useful to some people. Yeah. Um Well, why don't you let people we could probably talk forever. So why don't you let people know uh you know where to find your your work I, and give yourself a pitch and I bought a website. Uh, nice. <laughs> that I haven't built yet. Okay. <laughs> I need to do that. Maybe I'll do that this week cuz it shouldn't be that hard. I just want to yeah. something simple and just throw my videos up on there. But um I'm on YouTube. If you look up ArgusFest A R G U S F E S T dot uh, well, not dot, but just Argus Fest. So it's Argus, like a character from Greek mythology. Um, it, it, he was, you can look him up. He's a pretty interesting dude. Mm, nice. <laughs> um, and then Fest, short for festival. So Argus Fest. Okay. That was a, a film festival I ran for many years. But um, right. yeah, my my website is going to be, uh, and I'll let you know if I get it out in time. But okay, sure. Um, it's uh, if we were honest. TV. Okay. So hopefully I can get my ass in gear. TV. All right. Sounds good. And uh, I'll just remind people that they have been listening to this shift. I'm your host, Doug McKinty, and you can find uh, all my stuff. I try to get people to go to my website because all these third-party platforms have gotten so sketchy. And that's at www.theshiftnow.com. But if you look up The Shift with Doug McKinty, you can find me. I'm on YouTube and Twitter, and I have been expanding out to a lot of other uh, social media platforms lately to try to grow my audience. and considering what's been going on again on, on all these social media outlets, that's kind of a challenge for guys that are talking outside the mainstream. But I'm also currently on Twitter at D McKenty. So thanks everybody for listening. And thanks again, Jason, for coming on. I, I really enjoyed that. That was cool. We got to hash out a lot of, a lot of good things and, and discover uh, the, I think we were really actually very much in agreement on the big issues and then, and then where we disagree on the nuances uh, was just as important as where we agreed. So yeah. Thank Thanks you, Doug. I, these are important conversations. Right on. All right. Have a great day. Cool. Bye. All right. 
And there we go, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Jason Bosch. Um, yeah, what a great conversation, actually. I really uh, enjoyed the fact that we were kind of able to get to more and more of the subtle layers of the differences between the left-right paradigm, and that's why I wanted to have him on the show. Ultimately, there really are some disagreements. We all like to think that we can just transcend it, and everything's, you know, everything's going to be great, but there's not another political philosophy that really replaces it. And I think all of us are bringing uh, our core political values to the table here in the independent media space. And so if we started out as a libertarian uh, and we felt like the free market was in the invisible hand and price action and all of the things that go with that was, a, was an efficient and uh, environmentally sustainable way to self-organize a marketplace, uh, we're going to still have that bias as we enter into uh, this universe where we're trying to fight uh, with our potentially left-leaning brothers and sisters uh, against the uh, centralized control mechanisms of the corporate state that we're dealing with today. So um, it was an interesting conversation. And of course, you know, he was bringing in what I would say, I don't even know if he wants to call himself left-leaning. We're all trying to get away from this terminology. Um, but he had uh, a little bit more of a distrust about uh, how the invisible hand would work. Didn't really perceive, say, something like the law of supply and demand as being a natural law, just something that, uh, you know, economists uh, were making up. Uh, was hesitant uh, when I was bringing up how, say, a cryptocurrency market could function as as the forest, as the trees. I, um, you know, he certainly didn't want to go go there. Um, even though he did want, just I think we all do, uh, to see uh, humanity actually mirror the way that we, the way that we perceive these systems of economy uh, to mirror the natural systems, uh, and what what and how that happens, we have disagreements about. Um, but he and I both uh, had a desire with our story about money uh, to to emulate the, the forces of nature and the natural cycles of things uh, as a way to create a sustainable future for, for all of us. So how we get there is a little bit of a different story. But, um, but what we're going for, I think, uh, that was important. That was an important agreement that we had. Um, the, the one thing that we did agree on and that I think most of us do is recognizing, because I think Jason would agree with this, actually, this is the most important issue that nobody talks about, which is the creation of uh, the currency scarcity, artificial scarcity of the currency by the central banking cartel. This is what creates poverty. Um, I, you know, I just think there are ways that we need to be addressing this. We are always talking about increasing, you know, the left-right paradigm typically has all these arguments, the fight for 15, uh, increasing things like uh, welfare or different ways to help the poor, but none of them are going to work as long as there's artificial currency, uh, currency scarcity going on. So until we address this central issue of artificial scarcity, and I think once we do address that issue, then it's going to become a totally different world. If we didn't have poverty, if everybody basically had uh, abundance in their lives, then I think there would be a lot less pressure on how are we going to help the poor? You know, how are we going to help these people, these members of our community that can't afford an education or can't afford health care? If we all had plenty of money, it wouldn't be an issue. Um, now, how we get there is another story. So... 
clearly, I think the biggest difference that we had is my faith in the marketplace and the invisible hand and price action to act as this kind of information pathway uh, that functions to help self-organize a system of economy that can be beneficial for all. Um, Jason was going back to, you know, hey, look, if you have, uh, say, a, a free cryptocurrency market, the people who are mining the currency are always going to have more of it. They're going to have more centralized control. Um, and the people that run the markets are going to be, um, you know, they're going to have a leg up in everything else that everybody else does. Now, I think that in a free society, we would have multiple marketplaces, multiple currencies constantly competing against each other. And if anyone got too powerful, then the market pressure would actually uh, come to bear and create a more decentralized system. And maybe that's just actually the fundamental disagreement. I think he feels as if in a, in this kind of free society where people are choosing to use the marketplace in this way, that the natural market forces are going to be to centralize power into the hands of the few. And um, I don't know, you know, I don't think I changed his mind on that issue. Um, I, again, I think if we if we pursued policy changes on what we do agree about in terms of the, the central banking cartel and getting rid of that and eliminating the artificial uh, scarcity that we're dealing with now, probably the world would be such a better place that these other differences would kind of uh, fall away. So, so uh, again, just falling back on what we did agree about more. And the other thing that happened in the in sort of in the midst of the conversation was. Because my issue with these more left-leaning people, and I've spent some time in debates with, you know, anarcho-communists, right, getting, getting, going to the extremes of the left-right paradigm in order to get to the heart of the differences and, and what's really going on. And to my mind, anyway, from my point of view, the quote-unquote anarcho-capitalists are essentially fine with people who want to be anarcho-communists. They're totally fine to live on a commune or workers cooperatives and all of these things as a subset of living in a free society based on the non-aggression principle. Um, the anarcho-communists really seem to have almost some anger, and I'm overgeneralizing, but I felt a lot of anger against, say, people that would work for a wage when that to them was slavery, and people who would trade on these commodity exchanges because that's a form of, of uh, centralizing capital. Um, or someone who would rent a, a space to live because then the landlord becomes like a feudal lord or a king and they're participating in this feudal system. And, and I guess my point to that had always been, well, how are you going to stop people from doing this? If they want to do that, are you going to use violence to stop them from behaving in this way? To me, at the end of the day, it actually came uh, to, to a lifestyle decision. Some people want to live in a more sort of competitive environment and work for a wage and don't mind renting and maybe saving money and depending on how the property system works, right? <laughs> um, you know, buying a house or utilizing a property rights system to protect their, their house and the property around their house. And if people do choose to do this, you know, are you going to actually use violence against them to prevent them and then force them to live in the commune? Um, and I don't, I actually don't think that in, in the real world, in a free society, that would happen. I think a certain percentage of people would, would live in communes and, and live that way. And a certain percentage of people uh, would live uh, in a more of a quote unquote capitalistic kind of way. Uh, and that we would all actually be able to get along just fine. 
uh, and it wouldn't really uh, have to affect, you know, anyone. No one's leeching off anyone. Everyone's living how they they prefer based on their personal lifestyle decisions. So I don't see it as as a conflict. Um, and so when I kind of brought this up with Jason, he actually told me, "Well, I, I'm not telling anybody what to do." I'm just warning people that if you participate in this cryptocurrency market, you're likely to get screwed or you're likely to help some speculator um, you, you become more powerful than you and then have control uh, over more people than any one person should. And so I appreciated that. And frankly, once he said that, I was like, well, we don't, you know, everything else is theory after that. As long as we're willing to live in a world where we respect each other's individual choices and don't use violence except for in self-defense, you know, good to go. So that was a great part of the conversation, I think. And I think that that notion um, can go a long way towards bridging the gap between left and right. If we can all agree that some people choose to live differently, and as long as they're not hurting us, or, you know, they're not stealing our resources, they're not polluting the property that we depend on for our livelihoods, they're not uh, you know, if another person is not encroaching upon your lifestyle uh, in some kind of offensive uh, way and violent way, uh, then we shouldn't have a problem with each other. There's no need to force anyone to live uh, like you think they should live, right? We can live in a free world and we can all get along. Um, and then I guess... Uh, well, you know, one thing that was interesting is we talked a little bit about the mythology and the story behind what money is, because ultimately, I think everything is just a story. I've spent a lot of time contemplating, like, what is mythology? What is story? I've gotten to the place where now I think, while science is a very useful tool, it's actually very much a story and a mythology that our culture holds. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people feel like science is actually a kind of a supremacist methodology and that they believe that it's better than uh, other stories for, from other cultures. Um, but having said that, uh, I still think that there's a lot of mythology intertwined into what science is, though it is a useful tool in terms of breaking down uh, and rebuilding natural resources into technologies that we can use. So I'm certainly not going to argue against that. But the overall concept of, of the story, and, and then again going back to that idea of the state of nature, the idea uh, where I felt like these, these marketplaces, these self-organizing systems, were actually more matriarchal in nature, uh, more, more reflective of the state of nature and the way nature works and not patriarchal in nature or competitive. Uh, and that seemed to be more the way that Jason was leaning that um, these kinds of free markets, certainly these uh, currency marketplaces, uh, were more dog-eat-dog -dog competitive competitive uh, in nature, which might be thought of as more patriarchal. So um, there, there's a difference, but a kind of a more subtle difference that we were getting at there that I, I really appreciated. And then finally, I thought it was interesting because I really thought our whole conversation was going to focus on cryptocurrencies here as that was a, sort of this debate that had been set up online between uh, how blockchain technology is going to be used by technocracy and whether or not the blockchain technology as a tool could also be used for liberation. Um, and we kind of got uh, to it actually at the end, but we had all this other stuff we had to get through, all this monetary theory and um, just overall ideas about how a free market works before we could even talk about that. So we discussed it a little bit towards the end, but I still overall think the conversation 
version was was excellent in terms of what it did to kind of continue to refine our notion of uh, the left-right paradigm and understanding of each other and our differences of opinions and uh, still finding a lot of common ground. So really appreciated that conversation with Jason. Well, I want to thank Jason for coming on. I urge everyone to check out his podcast, If We Were Honest, and it is on YouTube at the Argus Fest channel. So uh, go there and check it out. He's got uh, a lot of good interviews, actually, with Allison McDowell. His interview with John Titus uh, about monetary history and monetary policy is really good, too, especially if you don't quite understand exactly how the central banking system is used to create artificial scarcity in the currency. So I urge everyone to go check out his stuff. And I will just let you know that you've been listening to The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKenty. Thanks, everyone, for making it to the end here. You can find out more about The Shift at www.theshiftnow.com. Sign up for the newsletter and think about subscribing to the show. Guys got to eat, so I'd appreciate it. Six bucks a month and you get the long-form interviews, access to the members forum. Uh, and uh, you can communicate a little more directly with me about who you want to have on the show um, and the direction that the show is going to be going in in the future. So appreciate it if uh, anyone feels like doing that. Um, you can also find The Shift with Doug McKinty on YouTube or Facebook. I'm on now Float and Minds uh, and Gab and um, a variety of, uh, of others. I just started on Brand New Tube. Um, starting to kind of grow away from just Facebook and YouTube uh, and discover other options for social media distribution. And if you do like what you're hearing, please think about sharing this yourself because more and more, certainly with the shadow banning and the censorship, I'm relying on listeners like yourselves to get the word out. So uh, thanks again for checking this out. Uh, Next week will be Patrick Wood. That's a great conversation. He uh, he has been doing a lot of work on technocracy, but what we're going to focus on specifically is um, the history and the work that he did with historian Anthony Sutton concerning how Wall Street actually uh, helped fund the Bolshevik Revolution, helped fund the rise of Hitler. Uh, and so this story that we've all been told about how capitalists despise and fight against communists is actually not true. It turns out that capitalists have been using a variety of forms of government, including communism, for a long, long time, I think, in order to pursue this ultimate goal of technocracy, which they're taking to the next level now with the Great Reset. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you again soon. Take care.